Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Grow Your Influence Tree, and Happy New Year. Uh, today, we have a very exciting guest. His name's Dmitry Dragolev. We were actually introduced to each other by our mutual friend, Stephanie Lee, who's a writer who's gone out there and published herself in many different outlets. And she's like, okay, these two people, they got to connect. They got to connect. They got to connect. And Dmitry's like, yeah, let's schedule a call. And I'm like, I don't know when to fit a call into my busy schedule. Why don't you just go on my radio show? Why don't we just act like we're having a call on the actual radio? So we're going to do things a little bit differently today. We're going to really just go out there and get to know each other over the show. And it's not really going to be like an interview or anything like that. It's really more of us getting to know each other. But a little bit of a background on Dimitri. Um, he single-handedly grew a startup from zero to 40 million page views through PR. And he got acquired by Google. Uh, he's, <clears throat> he... Uh, translated his know-how into a startup called JustReachOut.io, and that's a SaaS company that launched early in 2014. And now it's used by over 5,000 entrepreneurs, small businesses, and startups, as well as big brands kind of like Airbnb, HubSpot, Leadpages, and Nickelodeon. And they use this platform to go out there and pitch relevant journalists to get the press coverage. And it's basically like this autopilot program that... Uh, these companies use without the help of PR firms. Um, Dimitri, do you want to take a second to introduce yourself? Yeah, well, you've done an incredible job at introducing me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you pretty much nailed it, you know. Um, I was, uh, I I guess, sad and uh, depressed uh, developer, uh, software engineer, uh, working for the Department of Defense 10 years ago, and I had quit my job. And I moved to Silicon Valley, and the rest is kind of history. I mean, you you kind of talked a bit about my work, but yeah, essentially, you know, I uh, why were you so sad and depressed? And and was uh, yeah, was just part of a couple of uh, acquisitions that um, just kind of dabble in the PR world, content marketing world, and influencer marketing world. Uh, have been dabbling in it ever since. Uh, so. Uh, nice. So yeah, so that that's pretty much the image. I think you you did a great job introducing. <laughs> why, why were yeah. you sad and depressed? Don't most people want to go work for the government and get a job at like somewhere like the Department of Defense? <laughs> sad and depressed. <laughs> I was, you know. Uh, if you think about it, it's like such a bureaucratic organization, and. Uh, even though I was earning insane amounts of money, I couldn't even I couldn't even think of what to do with it. Man, I mean, like, I wasn't really investing that back in the day. And so, but looking around me, I was looking at people saying, I don't want to be like that guy that's been here for 15 years or 20 years. I don't want to be that guy. There's got to be more to life uh, fulfillment general than going, showing up to work banging out nine to five, coming home and doing whatnot, you know, whether I was going to get married or going to have kids or whatever I was going to have outside of work, I knew that, like, the biggest <laughs> part of the day, like, every day, I'm spending at this place, and while it was intellectually challenging, 
emotionally and uh, you know just I was not in it like I was I, I, I was not dreaming day to day like how can I make uh, this, this Air Force software better <laughs> at delivering you know cargo whatever to uh, Iraq like it was not a thing that I was like emotionally involved in that much it was a great job it was interesting problem solving got cool things to do like I I was uh, you know I, I would take a flight on a C-130 and test out software things like that once in a while get to meet commanders and things like that but certainly you know at the time I was reading this magazine Web 2.0 and I was looking at these startups raising you know 10 million dollars 5 million dollars on ideas, and I was like, this is nuts, absolutely crazy, it was just like, just, I, I couldn't even like process and digest that, like how can somebody take money and build a company and they, they're, they're, be young like me, and I, I was like, I know, I knew I didn't have a skill set for that, I knew I was like, I don't know, the first thing, <laughs> I couldn't even like start a conversation with somebody at a networking event, let alone like, do business or marketing. I knew how to code, but I knew I had to learn because that was what those guys and girls were doing in the in Silicon Valley. And at that time, a lot of it was very male-dominated. It's you know still is kind of problem, but um, I think uh, what they were doing, the entrepreneurs are doing in Silicon Valley, is uh, is uh, was, was something I wanted to do, and so. Uh, uh, but yeah, but that's why that's why I was kind of depressed. <laughs> wow! It sounds like that magazine ruined your career at the DoD. <laughs> yeah, the Web Two magazine. I was uh, yeah. I was reading that and and uh, just kind of changed my thinking a lot. I just just learning about like Facebook uh, growing and a lot of different startups. This was 2016, uh, so this. You know, things are changing pretty... No, 2000, wait, 2006. So this was 2006, exactly 10 years ago or so, or 11 years ago, even almost 12, I guess. Now. <laughs> uh, 2006, I was reading that magazine. 2005, I was still fully employed. And 2007 is when I made the move, like full on, packed my bag, sold everything I had and moved. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty... Pretty crazy ride since then, uh, PR-wise and content marketing. How about yourself? Well, how did you uh, get into influencer marketing? Oh, um, so one day I was at my job. I was like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can't afford lunch anymore. I'm only getting paid $16.24 an hour. My life freaking sucks. I have to take the bus to work. I have to take the bus home. If I miss the bus and I'm an hour late, I get home at like 7 p.m. This is like horrible. What am I doing with my life? How long can I live this way? And I'm like, I, I've been here for like two years. I haven't got a single raise. I don't what know was what your job? Do. What was your job? Oh, I was working at American Honda. Uh, we were doing like warranty claims. So we would tell people that um, we were going to fix their car or to screw off. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, um, nope, we're not going to help you. Nope, we're not going to help you. Nope, we're not going to help you. So we just talked to a lot of angry people all day. You know, uh, uh, 
it was it was kind of awesome in a parallel universe where everything's the opposite of reality. <laughs> wow, um, that's cool. Yeah. So like I uh, taxes like Obamacare was passed and then taxes on my paycheck raised like eighty dollars a month and I was like, hey, that was my lunch money. That was the money I was using to buy my dollar sixty quesadilla from the cafeteria. You're telling me I can't afford the quesadilla anymore? So I'm like, uh, maybe I should do something differently. So at that time, I'm like, uh, maybe I'll go back to school and see if that works. But, you know, school is a long-term plan, and it takes a while. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll try applying for a new job. Sent out, like, 100 resumes, got, like, three interviews. No one wanted to hire me because my resume was full of, like, broken dreams, all these bankrupt companies in a horrible position. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just start writing about how horrible my life is. So I started writing, and within six months, I had, like, 2 million views. Within a year and a half, I had, like, 10 million reads. Then it just trickled on and trickled on and trickled on and just kept accelerating. Guns wow, and magazines. Cool. So you just wrote about how horrible your life was, and that yeah. was the, uh, the the genesis of the whole. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I write about how horrible my life is, everyone's gonna think I'm a loser. But instead, it's like, oh, <laughs> they think I'm an inspiration. I'm like, I don't understand this, but whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> Wow. It, it sounds like, um, you, I don't know if you're into Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, but there's a project out there called, I think it's called something like the, the um, unvaluable Ethereum or like the most unvaluable Ethereum coin. And there's uh, this, this dude. Have you heard of this? No. I only own two Ethereum. That's my whole crypto portfolio. <laughs> All right. So this dude says, like, he basically was just kind of like you. He's like, listen, I got nothing to do with my life. What do you do with it? And he's like, listen, like, everybody's pouring money into the, uh, these ICOs. I'm so sick of all this stuff. I'm going to create a coin. I'm going to put my website up. And I'm going to say, listen, do not buy this coin because you will get no value out of it. Somebody else is going to take your money and is going to go buy stuff with it. And they're going to go buy, like, electronics and things like that. <laughs> and so this guy launches this thing as an ICO, warning everybody, don't buy this coin because I created it selfishly just to get money from everyone else. And guess what? Get $200,000 on that ICO. That just happened. That just happened like maybe three or four months ago. And there was a thing about it in Forbes, and I'm actually going to be writing about it for uh, Coindesk and Cointelegraph. Uh, but um, I thought, <laughs> just like, I, I thought of that guy... What? I want to buy some. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's a crazy idea. And you read in there, and it, it, he has this hilarious FAQ, and it's it's all about kind of like, why are you bothering to read this? This is a way for you to just, just like, get rid of your money. <laughs> I'm not giving you your money back. <laughs> Nothing is going to happen with this coin. <laughs> Nothing. Man, let's Stop buy reading some. this. <laughs> Let's go in on this. <laughs> let's do it. I'll send you the link afterwards. I don't know. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make this coin. Let's make this coin valuable somehow. Let's call it the most important coin. <laughs> probably. I don't know. I have um, I have some money in it, but I I bought Doge at like um 
like a tiny, tiny amount of it. And it's just a proof. You know, Doge was a joke coin too. Dogecoin was like this guy sitting around saying, uh, I want to name a coin after my dog. I'm going to make it Doge. <laughs> <laughs> and it picked up. It like became an actual currency. And it's like insane. Like, I don't... I don't know. A lot of this stuff is so fixed. Like, people are just trying to pour money into this stuff now. It's so, so like, I don't know. Exciting yeah. all the time. People are talking about it too much. We, you know, I get a lot of business from it for the PR uh, aspect. Because I run, I run a software company, Just Reach Out, helps you pitch yeah. journalists and influencers. And so a lot of people use the software and they are like in crypto world, so they need exposure for their project. Yeah. And so they use the software. Only this last year it started happening. It's very kind of popular, became more popular as a popular use case. And same with my coaching program as well. Yeah, it's so what kind you, of interesting. What, like, what's um, your main business now? Is um, it like crypto's going right now. Like, um, it's so volatile. It's supposed to replace a currency and become a standard, but it's so volatile. Like something that's going to replace something else can't be that volatile to become a standard replacement. Oh, sure. I agree. I don't think it will replace it. I don't know. Maybe in very distant future, but I think the technology is interesting. There will be a lot of new you know, service offerings and maybe easier ways to transfer money um, back and forth, easier ways to just use money as a vehicle for different transactions. I don't know, maybe investments or transactions, sending money overseas, transferring between people. I mean, the technology is where those are the main benefits of it. And I, I've experienced benefits of it already. Like, you know, like I ordered the, a CD. I wanted to order a CD from Russia, you know, like you can't get it here. So I have somebody ship it to me here and I don't know, PayPal takes like two weeks and like he has to go and verify his identity with his passport. He can't get that going in Russia very fast and there's CDs. So it's like, I just sent them some Bitcoin and that's it. It was like, <laughs> 50, 50 like here's bucks. your Bitcoin. <laughs> His Bitcoin, and then he transferred it back to USD, and it, it was it was done within like maybe a few hours, less than a few hours. I didn't even think about it. Like I just, what's your address? Sent him fifty bucks. The day goes on. Like I didn't have to sign up for anything. Didn't have to do anything. So it's just yeah. like immediate. Like guys, I was like, all right, that was really like easy to do, and I'm like, I kind of get why it's like catching on a little, but there's a bunch of problems with it, of course, but. Yeah. yeah, it's going to need a few more years to really standardize and figure itself out. But, I mean, it's pretty interesting. The concept, the philosophy, that's all great, but it's not turning out how it was uh, philosophized into actuality. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what it's do you, more um, like a... What kind of, I, I want to know more about your business. So what do you, um, what do you do now? What's your main, is it consulting or what do you do? In terms of your okay, service so, offering. 
So I own a company called Influence Tree, and it does two separate things. One, we have courses that teach people how to build a personal brand, get featured in publications, and grow their social media following. So it's me and my business partner. We're talking in seven-minute videos. They're shot with a 5K camera. It's all professional, and we have little lesson plans so people could go out there and really do everything. Now, this course really takes like over a year to complete because you can't become a somebody from a nobody overnight right you actually have to take all the yeah. steps do all the different things so it takes a really long time to complete that's our main signature course we have a few other courses like how to land a tedx talk how to do personal branding if you don't know anything and you're just a kid things like that and the other side of the business is where we take on more of a hands-on approach with our clients we work with author like best-selling authors top-level consultants fortune 100 um, executives venture capitalists, and what we do is we go out there and we build their personal brand. And how we do that is through building up their social media following, creating social media content for them, building out their thought leadership, writing articles, showcasing their expertise under their name, getting them media coverage from other people highlighting their expertise, and doing more of a well-rounded approach as opposed to like a specialty. Like most people go to a PR agency just because they want PR, or they go to a ghostwriter just because they want thought leadership, or they go to a social media strategist because they want to build their social media. We kind of take all those elements and we combine it together into one. Got it. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. Uh, sounds yeah. like you guys got a little consulting going, a little course going. And yeah, I, I love that stuff. That I mean, I used to do more consulting. Right now, mainly, I spend half of my time with my course, PRConverts.com, which is solely PR focused, but a little less SEO and content marketing, but a lot of it is PR. And then, um, so that's my course. People go like same kind of setup as you. We got video lessons. They get up to eight calls with me personally. Uh, each student who, who goes through the program, and uh, we help them implement the strategies they learn. And it takes about a year to complete as well, so pretty much a lot similar to what you have. I was actually, cool. Stephanie, it's funny, you mentioned her in the introduction. Um, she's putting together a course of her own, if you, you probably know, or maybe you don't, but that oh, yeah, we ate, and she told me about it, and I'm like, yeah, charge more. She's like, how much do you charge? I'm like, more, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, uh, she, uh, I gave her my launch copy because, you know, I have a blog and a launch sequence. And so she, uh, I said, don't copy it, but here, you can take a look at how I work things. And she's been laughing because I, I use a lot of humor in my, my emails and, you know, things. I write all really crazy emails. <laughs> like it starts out things like, we used to take family showers back in Soviet Union when I grew up there. This is how it went down. We had this shack of a little area where there's a big tub of water on the top. And then, like, somebody would bring some hot water and pour it in. You'd yell, it's too hot, and they'll pull some cold water in there. And then that will translate into, like, a call to action. And so in that email, she was... <laughs> it's ridiculous. One of the emails is how I uh, had to remove a, a tick from my grandma's crutch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to this in a little bit. I forgot that we have commercials on the radio shows, so we're going to have to bounce into a commercial break real fast. And we'll be right back, and we'll talk more about these um, emails. 
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Welcome back, everyone. We're back from this commercial break. It's Leonard and Dimitri here. And if you heard right before we hopped off on the commercial break, uh, the sales emails that Dimitri had was like how he was showering at home uh, with other people. Uh, on the commercial break, he was talking about his mother's dating life. Do you want to get a little bit into that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, some of the other emails uh, talk about how I had to remove a chick from my grandma's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and and also that transitions down to, like, lessons learned from that, translating to the same lessons learned when you're trying to pitch a journalist or an influencer. And then it's more of a sales email type of thing. But it's just... It personifies me, and, and it also builds a relationship with the audience a lot. And so, and yeah, I have a lot of these, you know, like community <laughs> showers with my family in our uh, country house, or like the losers my my mom used to date, and weird <laughs> and craziness, all sorts of crazy stories. Immigrating here, um, yeah, it was. Um, you know, my first memory, I, I came here and I saw wreaths everywhere. This was around this time. It still had wreaths from Christmas time. In Russia, like, it was associated with death. And I was looking around, I was like, why are there wreaths everywhere? Why, who would decorate things with wreaths? I thought somebody died. I thought, like, President Clinton died. And my whole family did. So You're I, like, like, how many people me. died this week? <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, we just came to this country. What happened? You like to become a war? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's Very Christmas. Man. <laughs> yeah, it was really it was crazy. So, like, um, yeah, we ended up um, using a lot of the stories in this email sequence to uh, to launch my course and get people kind of excited and laughing and buying the course. And, 
Um, it's pretty funny. We redid a lot of that stuff. I'm trying to, my software company is my other half of the time, and so um, I'm trying to use a lot of those stories in the copy in the software as well. So my software mm-hmm. company also sends out a lot of notifications and emails to find the intercom kind of messages. And so I'm trying to redo all that now to make sure that uh, people are kind of excited and an unexpected copy appears in their inbox, basically. Like, um, but it it has to make sense. So just trying to trying to make it all work together. Uh, but yeah, it's like a lot of just a lot of hustling and a lot of like trying to figure out what makes people laugh. Um, nice. But, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? So, um, so day-to-day, you, you do your course, right? That's your main kind of thing. And then a little bit of consulting as well? Well, I'd say what takes up most of the time is the uh, clients I work with because um, we usually charge in between like 8 to 40 grand a month for our services. So um, we do a bulk load of uh, work for them. The course is there just to help people who, because like for me, the the main reason I built Influence Street is because all these people were like, hey, Leonard, can you mentor me? Can you teach me how to do what you did? And I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, if people keep asking me that for um, me to like teach them how to do what I did, maybe I should film it. Maybe I should make a video. So we made these ghetto videos. We set up a little camera up in, out in Santa Monica. We put it on a little tripod. We had no idea what we were doing. We just clicked play and we just started talking and we clicked and then we put a little like bumper on the front and the end and we're like, okay, this is our video. This is our course. We're gonna run with this. And we're like, okay, we figured something out. <laughs> then as time went by, everyone's like, it looks like you guys just put up a camera, just click play, and you guys were just like doing that. I'm like, uh oh. People, people are seeing right through exactly what we did. We had to do this professionally, so we went back and redid the course. But the, the course isn't really our bread and butter. It's just because a lot of people kept asking for me to really teach them how to do what I did. And I'm like, um, may, maybe I should figure out a way to teach other people how to do what I did. And that's basically yeah. why the course is there. But most of yeah. the work is with the one-on-one people, getting them... Um, Featured, getting them thought leadership, going out there, making sure that people know who they are, that they're recognized, things like that. That's cool. Yeah, I do. I used to do a lot of that. Mine is more strategic, I guess. My consulting was more about, like, picking the right keywords and having them blog about it and then having them rank really high and then having them pull in a lot of traffic and then getting, you know, like, identifying, like, competitors are doing 10 ways to, you know, send out a cold email and get a response, I'm going to do 150 ways. <laughs> so, like, there's no comparison at all. And I, or figuring out what those long-tail keywords might be, like alternatives to, and then your competitor's name, and then making a whole page around it or a blog post around it to pull in very specific targeted, very highly targeted traffic uh, that converts well. Uh, that's the type of stuff that I typically try and zero in with my uh, consulting gigs, and that translates into the course as well. I kind of stay away from traditional PR in the sense where, like, I don't send out PR releases, or we don't really do too much, like, news announcements, mergers, acquisitions, that's all kind of, like, out, outside of 
by offering a lot of times because I, I try and give people more and more traffic with the time. And I kind of marry the SEO world with the PR world. So, like, I make sure, like, they do the right research, they find the right keywords, and then afterwards, once they do, I've, I've written about the process a lot on all these SEO blogs, but at the end, it's all about, like, influencers and guest posting and um, using Quora to republish stuff um, to, uh, to give those links uh, to that original piece of content to make it rank much higher. So you're kind of like doubling down. You're getting some exposure from your features in Inc. and Forbes and whatnot, blogs out there. But at the end, as a main goal, you're trying to get some link back to your main piece of content that's going to rank and keep giving you traffic uh, sustainably month over month, you know. So, yeah, what I really like doing is talking to my clients and getting them to tell me their entire life story and turning that into a bio because so many people leave out so many details when they write about themselves. And it's really yeah. the small little minute things that are really the things that connect people together. And I, I like writing and extracting those from people. And what I also like doing is, like, most of my clients are, like, 40, 50 years old. They've been around the block. They've gone out there. They have a ton of knowledge in their heads. And the sad thing is they've usually – the only people who know these insights are the people internal at their companies. And what I like to do is I like to extract that out of them to showcase to the world, like, these new insights where people are like, wow, I never thought of it that way wow, this is a brand new concept. But it's really not a brand new concept. It's just something that has been around that no one's going out there and sharing. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. I love I love that that, that kind of stuff is really interesting to me because I, I, I always get pitches of, you know, like I run this company called Just Reach Out, right? It's a software company which uh, people sign up. It's a SaaS product. Anybody can sign up. And uh, they pitch journalists. And so we have 5,000 people who have signed up for it. Imagine, like, I still run it. It's just me. We have some people, like, that help me, obviously. But, like, you know, like, it's a ridiculously lean business. Like, uh, we have 10 people that maybe help me run the business. We have 5,000 that use the software. And it, the amount of pitches that go through it every day is insane. And so I look at a lot of these pitches and... People are writing about what they're doing, but they're leaving out those interesting, unique, and thought-provoking details that make a story a real story. It kind of like becomes mundane and boring and old. So you're, you're like, and they, they message me because I have all this like sequence built into the, the product. And so when they start writing their email and it's kind of like, kind of, boring or it's not well received by journalists, my software learns about that and it's like cuts them off and then it's like messages them as if I was just sitting there reading their emails and says, hey, to meet you here, just wanted to kind of come in and it looks like your pitch isn't working with the journalist. Uh, what, let's talk about this, you know, tell me a bit more about your story, your bio, like where you're from, do you have an entrepreneur story behind it? Like, and, uh, and then you kind of start to learn. I, the most recent example, right before this call, is this, uh, this dog food company, right? Is this guy out of Idaho, 
he was trying to send out like seven seven pitches today. He was trying to pitch uh, uh, the, his gourmet food business, right, for pets, uh, for dogs or something. It's human tasted, so I guess humans taste this dog food, and they can kind of write down personal notes to owners of like how it tastes to a dog or something. I don't know. There's like this big thing about it. But he just left down all these details about how he started his business and like what brought him to start his business and why did he even bother and how he grew it and all the setbacks he's gone through. He just kind of like jumped to the chase like here's what we do and this is the website and it's all about us and people leave out that part that you're talking about and so forth. You know what's hilarious? Yeah. At um, 8.52 a.m. this morning in uh, Pacific time, I got pitched by my um, client's publicist to write about my client. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> they didn't know, like, huh? That's this weird. This is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, like I have a media folder and I never look through it and I get like 10 pitches a day there and I just decided to open it up because you're talking about this I'm like huh huh that name looks yeah. familiar that looks like my client <laughs> that's crazy that's weird yeah I yeah. mean um, I kind of have to keep tabs on it because all the pitches leave my system so my server sends all the emails and so imagine like 5,000 people sending emails. There's a lot of emails going out. So my reputation is online anytime somebody sends an email. So I don't want to like get spammed or, or they get a bad reputation for them. So I try and intercept those emails kind of early. And yeah. I, I won't let people send group emails or like bulk emails. I won't let people send the same email twice or three times. It's, it's like, it's built to make sure everything is personalized. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a lot of work just to keep that going uh, and making sure people are sending out quality emails to yeah. bloggers or journalists. Or um, It definitely has to be cool. quality because if I see something that's a joke, then I'm like, I'm done. Like one person was like, hey, Leonard, I saw you speak at this conference a year ago. I'm so excited to see you again. I'm like, what conference did you see me speak at? I'm like, I wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, people make up a lot of crazy stuff. Do you yeah. um you use Quora a lot, right? Stephanie was telling me. Oh, I used to use it a lot. Like, um, that's where I got most of my reads in the beginning. Uh, why I don't use it now is probably just because um my output decreased significantly. Like the first two years I wrote, like 2013, 2014, I wrote like thousands of articles. In 2015 to 2016, I wrote like hundreds of articles, right? But then last year I wrote like 11 articles. So um, yeah, <laughs> um, mm. just the output yeah. on my end under me producing content under my name has decreased significantly. So um, I, I mean, I, I use it a lot, but... Um, it just looks like I don't because of my output or how, how much I've been putting out in regards to content. Yeah. No, I've been, like, just interesting. I, I've, I've also been kind of the same way. I, over last year, I just published less, but kind of longer pieces, I guess, uh, more detailed. 
And the year before, it was much more shorter posts, a lot of different guest articles. Um, but a lot more under, like, other people's names now, too. Like, the yeah. work I yeah. do. That, that's me, writing under other people's names now. <laughs> you are, too, kinda, Yeah, I write under a lot of other people's names. I do a lot of ghost writing now. Um, I, I don't know if I should mention who I write for, because they're... Everywhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah just say yeah. I've written things that ended ended up in major publications. I've written things that ended up on big people's blogs. It's just that my name's not on it, and I can't ever take credit for it. <laughs> That's cool. At least you got the time, you know, to do more of that. <laughs> yeah. What's you know. really interesting, though, is like. When my writing decreased, like my media features and small blog features and radio and podcasts and TV stuff, like significantly increased. Like I was looking at like 2014, I got like maybe like four or five different things. Uh, 2000, uh, the year after that, like maybe four or five different things. Year after that, like 50. Then like last year, it was like in between 150 to 200 different things I was like syndicated or featured or and then I was like, whoa, this thing just blew up. And then, like, yeah. yesterday I got a call to be on Access Hollywood, and I couldn't make it because I was stuck at work. I'm like, I have meetings. I don't know what to do. I need to go. <laughs> and it's like, I, I think it's just going to, like, flip like crazy where um, I, I'm producing less content, but I'm just getting stuck in more opportunities. So I think that's really how this next year is going to come out. And um, since it's the radio, we had to take another commercial break, but we could hop back soon and chat more. Cool. Sounds good. Yep. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on the voice america influencers channel 
Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, Leonard Kim here, and we're back with Dimitri. And we've been hanging out, just chatting about life, talking about how we ended up where we are. And now what we're going to talk a little bit about is... Um, where are we going to talk about, Dimitri? Quora, uh, I guess. I don't know. We're just talking about Quora and how I used to do this. And you used to do this is where you just go and answer a question on Quora and uh, it gets republished and becomes an article on Inc. Magazine or Newsweek or wherever Forbes or other publications. And all of a sudden, your answer is now an article. And so we were, we were just talking about that over the break. And you mentioned that you've done that before. I guess uh, I've done it before. You probably have a much more sophisticated system in place than, than I do. Because uh, I literally just made sure my, my content was probably the best one, the best content out there uh, when it came to answering it. And I didn't follow any uh, process, I guess, to try and get it to publish. I just kind of wrote it, let it out, uh, promote it throughout my network, my audience, and just uh, hope <laughs> hope that somebody would see it and say, hey, this looks like a gate one, let me publish it. Uh, but um, I've heard that there are, um, you know, just uh, a process sometimes. Sometimes you just you learn or you, you meet the right editors at these publications. So, uh, well, for those Quora. of you who don't know what Quora is, Quora is a question and answer site where people ask questions like, how do you build a startup? And someone who goes out there and builds a startup goes and answers a question and goes, you build a startup by doing X, Y, and Z. Or how do you go out there and save, or how do you save the planet? Or I mean, these are all just superficial questions, but they ask any question like, how do you go out there and change a diaper all the way up to like, how do you go and like make a million dollars, like any type of question that you could ever imagine is on the site Quora. And if it doesn't exist, you can go out there and you could ask it yourself. Now, what happens on Quora is experts go out there and they answer these questions. The neat thing about Quora is they have partnerships with um, major publications like Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, uh, Huffington Post, uh, Newsweek, Time, and all these other different publications out there. So what happens is... These people, they're going out there and they're scouting the content that's on Quora, looking for these experts to come on their expertise. And sometimes what they do is they take these answers and they turn them into articles and pick them up for their publications. So what Dimitri's been doing is he's just been winging it, going out there and creating the best content he can, hoping that someone picks it up. But there's also kind of a formula to really go out there and make sure that your content has a higher uh, probability of getting picked up too. And <clears throat> let's say you've always wanted a piece of your content to end up in Ink Magazine. The best way to really format your answers so they have a high chance of falling into Ink Magazine is going to Ink.com, reading over their articles, 
seeing what their word count is, their writing style, figuring out what it's like, seeing what the different uh, tone is, the uh, voice, the language that they use, the topics that they cover, and then getting some inside knowledge of how that publication creates content. Then when you go back to answer your question, you answer it in the same way you uh, see the articles that are popping up on Inc. You use the same style, the same tonality, the same uh, word count. And when you're doing all this stuff, your chances of getting picked up by that publication jump from like maybe 0% or 1% all the way up to like 20%. And if you keep using the system over and over, then you have the opportunity to get um, media syndications and get some really big wins and some big places that you would never think of writing for, like maybe Slate or Thought Catalog or all the way up to Forbes or Fortune or Fast Company. And... It's a pretty simple process. All you really have to do is do some due diligence, some research and everything, and really make sure you know what's out there and what type of content everyone else is creating so you can kind of fit into those different um, outlets as well. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's essentially what I was was doing, but I was not. Yeah, that's what you were doing, but you didn't know you were doing it. Yeah, Yeah, I was not actually. uh, I was. I got to write the best piece of content, and I guess, yeah, at the time, I would be reading, like, ink or something before, and then they would pick it up or something like that. So, yes, I guess it kind of made sense. It was just more subliminal and, like, very proactive, but uh, that was certainly a factor of, like, writing good answers there. I know there's, like, I work with a couple of consultants that specialize in that, actually. They, uh, they write the answer for you, and they'll do all that research. Uh, they're kind of like a, a ghostwriter for war to be syndicated. Like, it's their niche. And uh, um, and they charge something. I forget what it is. Like I think they can get it syndicated in multiple publications, so they'll try and, like, match a style of two or three. Everybody's got their own pricing scheme for that. Uh, but it... I'm such a perfectionist. They're always like, I'd be like, no, it doesn't sound right. You change it. Cause you end up taking a lot of time on my side. Uh, but yeah, if you know any good, good folks that dabble in that stuff, I was always uh, happy to um, for an introduction. So ghostwriters or people that do any kind of like writing or researching of this type, because I. I rarely have time to, like you said, like, I don't, I write less now, and I have a bigger business, and, <laughs> uh, but I employ people that write as me, so. Uh, what I usually do is I find people who write for other publications, and I have them ghostwrite stuff for me, and, okay. or just write stuff for me, and then, um, since they already fit those qualifications, it usually has a higher probability of working. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not like you have to go look for a specific person who specializes in turning answers into publication content. Yeah. You just have to find someone yeah, yeah. who knows how to write publication content to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it might be easier. I mean, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I... A couple of people that work for me actually write for other publications, so I should really, like, hire more people this year to do the same thing and just get them focused on that. Because, yeah. Uh, 
Like for oh. one of my projects, I hired um, two people who wrote for Everyday Health, one person who wrote for Reader's Digest, and one person who wrote for Cosmo and Vogue to write health-based content. And I, I mean, 20% of their content gets syndicated into these um, uh, outlets. So it's like, great, you know, because they don't, they're just writing content to write content. And because they've been trained how to write content for these outlets, it's kind of like a no-brainer for the outlets to pick up their content too because they can recognize that it's written at that kind of style and that kind of level, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I'll have to, like, pick your brain more on that stuff, like picking <laughs> the right writers and your just process of hiring writers and people you work with because uh, that, that's really interesting to me because I'm always in, in shortage of good writers and I'm not in shortage of funds. I'm always in shortage of hiring the good writers who kind of understand the style of publications but also somewhat understand the SEO aspect of like writing good engaging copy I find that content that keeps people longer on site uh, will perform better will rank better so it used to be in 2002-2003 that the number of links used to be directly correlated with how high you would rank a piece of content, a blog post or an article. Yeah. No longer the case at all. It's not actually, like, the difference between a following to no following is almost minuscule. It's like, it doesn't even matter if it's a do not follow link or a follow link. I think what really matters is whether that link is getting clicks, and if it is, then it's counting towards your ranking. And whether, uh, you know, people are spending the user experience of your content, you know, people spending time on the site, on the blog post, and how they perceive it. Like, do they, how do they engage with it? Do they scroll to the bottom and leave? Do they scroll halfway through, read a little bit of it and leave? And so that is directly impacts the ranking of, the, of any article uh, more than number of links pointing to it. And so... Um, I always talk with my writers a lot about this. It's like you, you're writing a product. You're putting together a product to keep a person on your site, keep their attention on the site. Uh, you're not just writing an article that's going to like convey some information to somebody. You want them on your site longer, much longer than what your competitors have so that you can rank higher. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy, uh, right? Like, the system that they use to really rank everything, it's, like, so sophisticated and everything. It's, like, whoa, you use this and this and this, and it's, like, a whole formula. Yeah. It's crazy. I think a lot of them don't, like, most people don't know the whole thing. I mean, people guess the thing. But even if you work at Google, I mean, I my company, the company I worked at, you know, we, we got acquired by Google, and a lot of people left. I actually didn't go, and I started my own startup, which I run now. Uh, but the people that work there... And I had a lot of friends that worked there as well. You talk to people on the search team, and they kind of, like, they understand their little sliver of what they've written, but, like, nobody understands the whole thing. It's like <laughs> this AI machine that, like, I mean, people, like, there's people there that know a good portion of it, but they don't, they can't tell you right away, like, do this and you will rank. Like, there's no way. 
you, you know what's funny? Like I've talked with their maps people so many times, and they're like, "We're we're rolling out this new feature. Give it a try, right?" And I go and try it. And I'm like, "Okay, it didn't work." And they're like, "Okay, we don't know why it didn't work." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sitting on the phone with them, and we're beta testing it on there. They're like, "We have absolutely no idea why this isn't working, but we're gonna look into it. We're, we're gonna get back to you." Then two weeks later, they're like, "We still have no idea why this isn't working." Yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy the way. It, yeah, I don't know. like if you it's change like, these features on your um, Google Business Manager, it should change your knowledge graph. And I'm like changing it. I'm like, nothing changed. Like, we're looking into this, and they just stopped calling me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is like, oh, we're going to give up, we're going to disappear, and we're going to hope this guy doesn't remember. <laughs> wow. Wow. Crazy. Do you, um, do your clients come from the U.S. or overseas? My clients? Uh, yeah. Uh, one of them works at Cisco. Um, he's a VP of IoT over there. Um, oh, cool. one, one of them's a high-level consultant who owns his own consultancy. It's kind of like a McKinsey, but smaller. Uh, one of them's a venture capitalist who lives in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, mean, yeah, I was wondering, because I, um, uh, at one point was doing a lot of um, outbound kind of like email to uh, for sales, and mm -hmm. Neil Patel, you probably know who that is, um, I just interviewed him the other day, and we were just hanging yeah. out, kind of like this. Neil Patel, you know? Oh, yeah, and, we went to um, high school together. You worked together with him? No, we went to high school together. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah. um, I'll shoot you a video. Um, it was just like a casual hangout with him. Um, but um, we were talking about um, clients, and, you know, about decent, like 90% of his work is really consulting now these days. And so um, he does a lot of um, consulting. And so to get consulting gigs, he, um, he just penetrates outside of the U.S. Like, he's just crazy outside of the U.S. And huh. people will pay more money. They will, you know, he'll get sweeter consulting gigs. And given it's Neil Patel and, like, he's done all this, you know, like, people know who he is. And he's hired celebrities to hold signs of him as to who is Neil Patel to, to get his searches up for who is Neil Patel and get his rankings up and more people understand who he is and all the stuff or learn about him. Uh, but he um, has an interesting strategy of just going after overseas as scoring consulting gigs um, and doing just pitching people overseas because they're hungrier than U.S. clients. They will transact and, and pay. And, and so like he's going after Brazil, Qatar, um, those types of countries that are, you know, they have the infrastructure, they have the money. Uh, so um, maybe we should yeah, look into that. You should. I want to chat more about that. Maybe another call or something. I can tell you, like, yeah. his process um, of how he does the outreach. It's kind of like a bulletproof process. Like he does straight up to the CEO usually, and he'll say like something that's drastically true about their company or product and the CEO, and he's just asking for forward to like a right person to talk, talk to and he's just looking for those trigger happy CEOs to say forward it to their CMO and then as soon as that CMO gets that email saying like here's Neil Patel talking about this problem that we have uh, sure I'll talk to him you know 
and, but the CEO never responds to anything. He usually just sits forward. And that's what the, the, I think that it was just like a great way to put together an email. Like, listen, you have this problem. I identified this. You know this. I know this. It's a huge thing for your company. It could be costing you this much, whatever it may be. Just hit the forward button. Send it over to the right person on your team, and uh, they'll uh, they'll go ahead and open it. And and, and that, that's like a must. This is like for them. They say receive it. And so the, if the CEO forwards it over, that CMO will open, you know like return uh, respond to it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome how he's able to do that. Uh, we're going to have to have to end the show, though, because we just ran out of time. Uh, thank you so much oh, for dude. tuning in yeah, to yeah. Grow Your Let's Influence Tree. This is Leonard Kim and Dimitri, and we're signing out. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out. Stand apart and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.